Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, one more time for Goblet of Fire. It's Chase and Josh of Fact of Fantasy. It's Chase, I'm Josh, and we're here to finally close out Goblet in its entirety. Next week, we will be catching us tackling Order of the Phoenix. This is the very last that we're going to do of Goblet of Fire for this Harry Potter arc. It's going to be the differences episode between the novel and the film, and Chase and I are very ready to give you this because we got some major issues. Isn't that right, my dude? Oh, we got some major issues. I'm different. Yeah, I'm different. I'm different. Yeah, I'm different. Let's get it going, my man. Once again, to the audience, thank you guys for always checking us out, writing our reviews and subscribing, uh, checking us out on Instagram. We're at uh, Official Ridiculous Patronus, Jay Nelly and our Brow 129 and of course our, our fan page we always uh check that out we always see the audience uh interaction there and how many we reached every week on facebook so that that really means a lot to us and yeah man it's i'll just kind of lead us off with this and let you just take us away i'm just gonna say i had so much expectations i had so much hopes in the words of Panic at the Disco, Cause I had high, high hopes for living. I'm shooting full of stars, but I couldn't get a feeling. No, it was bad, bro. It was, oh, ooh, ooh. In the words of Step Brothers, fail years. <laughs> fail years. It made me want to pull a moaning myrtle and cry in a corner, man. Yeah, my feelings are pretty much uh, akin to yours because I've gone on and on about how it's such a great book and how it's my favorite in the series, one of my favorite fantasy novels of all time in any series. Like, super happy with Goblet the book. So I'm thinking the the film's got to kind of live up to. Maybe not, maybe not as good. I'm thinking like, all right, you know, I can't expect it to cover everything. It's a big, big book with a lot of detail in it, but it's gonna have the gist, right? Nope. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not at all. It, they they changed no, the story on us, no, man. Oh no. So <laughs> it's uh it's gonna be fun to tear it apart today, because not only are you getting the differences, we also every time we do our differences episode, we give our scaled rankings of the book and of the film on a scale of one to ten. So you'll be hearing what Chase and I really think of each one here at the end, man. But are you ready to get locked and loaded and start diving into the differences? Yeah, man, I got a whole notebook here. <laughs> when I say a notebook, that's exaggerating, but I got 57 major problems we got to run through. And guys, when I say this, it's not because I like to just rip shit apart. Excuse my language. Like, it's, it's my... I have problems when people deliberately take out major pieces that change the plot. Like, how can you just change the plot when the script is already written for you? Exactly, when it's based off that. So, guys, like, I don't I don't know. Did you think it was, just a, before you get started here, did you think it was, like, Rise of the Skywalker bad, though? Like, that's hard to say. Here's the thing. It's, like, it's hard to compare the two because, number one, this movie was made back in 2005 is when the movie came out. The book came out, yeah. I think, two years before that. So like they didn't have a lot of the special effects and be able to like look as cool, but like also we weren't awaiting it. Like I don't think it can be considered as bad as 
Rise of Skywalker because Rise of Skywalker was the last movie in the whole series for Star Wars where this is just the fourth movie like like you yeah. know like it helps it you know kind of move along the the paces and so no I don't think it's it's that bad in terms of totality of ruining a franchise <laughs> no but because the thing is like remember Star Wars doesn't have books behind it to back it Star Wars is just specifically film right and obviously now they're doing their their series with Mandalorian on the side stuff and uh, the new one coming out the, the um, Obi-Wan series and and uh, Clone Wars and Rebels so there's really it no Petrificus Toterrible <laughs> it, exactly it is Petrificus Toterrible but I don't, I don't think I can say it's it's as as bad as that in terms of what it does negatively to the franchise because at the end of the day you can take all of the Harry Potter movies throw them through the window and never think about them again and you still have an amazing yeah. franchise in the books Star Wars it's not like that because there's no literature backing if that makes sense so yeah here's a quick question right before we get started though like I guess we've addressed this question before maybe it's because at the time we were kids, so you really didn't notice as much of the differences, but yet I still read the book before I saw the film. It, it's very interesting because I f- still feel like you do have a really recognizable franchise with the films because of the characters we grew up with, like as far as Emma Watson, Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grunt, that, and, you know, Tom Felton, those guys, that made it like the characters. I guess gave it like an identity because it's easy to picture in your head as they grow up is that my question would be is that why everyone even myself included I'm guilty of this like having the perception as they were always so phenomenal as we thought or is it just because we were maybe just forgot a bunch of stuff that we read Here's the thing. When we're kids, we're doing a lot of stuff, right? We're not just reading books. We're going outside. We're playing. We're going to school. Like, so there's a lot of things that occupy the space in our brain. And so we're not going to remember like every single detail in the books the way we do it, like how you and I break it down and go into depth, right? So mm-hmm. like right. that uh, that alone. And number two, like we're also being kids, we're not going to understand everything. So what we normally look for is like the big action. So what ends up happening when you look at through a, like a ch- children's lens or a kid's eyes? All you're seeing is like the big booms and flashes and crazy things on screen. So it, look, it makes it look cooler than what the storyline's supposed to be. Like when you're younger, you don't really pay attention to plot and storyline. You pay attention to, oh, that was badass. I can't believe he just threw that <laughs> curse upside down while he was flying on the broom. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. we, you kind of look for excitement as a kid versus when you're an adult, you're kind of more detailed oriented. And when you look at the details, because they say that what's in the details, man, that was in the details. Like, <laughs> it's just, it doesn't hold up because that's all the movie is, is just like it's that Transformers Michael Bay syndrome. It's a bunch of flashy booms yeah. and no substance. So that's yeah. what I think about it. But uh, yeah, man, let's kick this thing off. Let's have some fun today, let's man. Let's do it. it hey, might let's even be a malice let's card. Cheers, bro. That's how we're going to get through it. Let's get a cheers let's going. Let's do it, my man. I'll let you cheers us, man. All right, malice in the chalice to the end of Goblet of Fire, baby. This is your book, man. Uh, Goblet of Fire. We're pulling our names out of it after this, so we're about to do it justice right now for all our thoughts are on the table on this one. Another ride or die, baby. Let's do it. You got it. And so we'll kind of tackle it how we've done the past differences. I'll tackle like three to five, and I'll pass it over to Chase to do the same, and we'll keep 
doing that until we run out of differences and uh, we give this thing its full due, right? So I'll start right yeah. off the very, very first scene, the thing that we see first on screen. Barty Crouch Jr. was not in the room with Room Terror and Voldemort in the books. Why did they just decide to put him in the room there? Like, right, like you ruined all the mystique and mystery behind everything just right away. <laughs> like, you just put Barty Crouch Jr. in the room? That's just, number one, it didn't happen. Number two, even if you try to add your own little wrinkle, it doesn't work. It ruins the surprise. So, that's number one difference right there. Number two, they never mentioned the Quidditch World Cup or Bertha Jorkins in the film. Like, when they were talking right there, like, when there was, like, the whole, you know how Voldemort in the book made the plans of, you know, you know what, we can't take Harry at the Quidditch World Cup. He's too well protected there. Like, you know, like, Bertha Jorkins, you know, I remember Bertha Jorkins was mentioned a couple of times. They meant to mention nothing about Bertha Jorkins, period, in the film. And they didn't say anything about the plans for the Quidditch World Cup in that moment. And then another one, which just is kind of crazy, is Harry is just automatically at the burrow. Like, he wasn't in Privet Drive, like, with the Dursleys at all in the film. He he had that dream, that premonition dream type deal at the burrow. Like, Hermione's, like, shaking, like, Harry, wake up! And, like, like no, absolutely not. Like, he literally had to be... Remember the invitation, that cool envelope that was sent with all the stamps on it? You missed that. You missed the, them coming through the chimney, blasting it through. Fred accidentally dropping the ton-tong toffee and making Dudley's mouth, like, like long tongue, like, four feet long. Like... You just, just decide, you know, screw the Dursleys, take them out of it. We're just going to wake you up at the burrow, man. That's cool. No, it's not cool. Oh, it made me so mad. And then, like, there's not, like, it goes right from that dream waking up to them going to the port key. Nothing about them, like, hanging out with Bill and Charlie and, like, the anything at all. They're not even in the film, which is crazy because of the, <laughs> the tasks. Like, that's, like, it's just too much. And the last one before I pass it over to you is that when they get to the campsite at the Quidditch World Cup, it had nothing to together about. Remember how Hermione and Harry were helping him put the the tent together like muggles because they know how to do it because they've been camping. Well, yeah, Hermione, not so much Harry because he never they never took him camping. But the thing is, that tent was already put together, and then he walked inside of it and it was like a mansion inside the tent. Like I don't know, man. Like those were some of the first five that just pissed me off right off the bat. Uh, I'll let you take take the next five or so, and then we'll just keep bouncing. Yeah, man, not to uh, keep cracking on what you just said, but, dude, like, apparently, you know, how the Goblet of Fire made this whole, such a big deal that, you know, a 16-year-old kid can't apparate, well, apparently Harry knows how to apparate straight to the burrow before he goes to the World Cup, so just throwing that out there, man. Keep in mind, Harry's still 14. Harry doesn't, like, it goes by the years of Hogwarts. yeah. Yeah, so it goes by years of Hogwarts, so year one, he's 11. Two, he's 12, 13, he's... Apparently at 14, Harry, because he's the chosen one, magically (laughs) knows how to apparate. Most ridiculous stuff. But yeah, go go into it, man. Get get some of those good... Anyways. Yeah, man. Kind of biggest thing I started my differences off on is, like, missing characters. Like, how you said, you know, Charles and and Bill. Charles and Bill Weasley. But, you know, of course, Peeves is in there. Like you said, Bertha Jorkins um ludo bagman that was like a he's in there i will say but his role is very condensed compared to what he it was in the book six like, seconds of screen time very... six seconds of screen time <laughs> it was pathetic it was pathetic he got six seconds and he's like a major part of this book uh-huh um we already mentioned uh bill weasley um and peeves i put in there 
But um, uh, another thing, too, about the book starting out with Frank there, you know, like, <clears throat> Frank's there, but he's never referred to at any other part of this movie. Like, they just basically think of him as, like, an old man. Like, they never say the name Frank at all. It's just an old man. Like, just somebody. Just some random-ass person that was cooking on their stove, apparently, just happened to show up in this area. All right, like, what was the importance of that, then? If that's the route you want to go, why do you even show this guy? Like, you might as well just cut the whole damn scene out, if you ask me. Like, you might as well just cut that whole scene out. Uh, second thing here is, so as far as, like, uh, Frank and Wormtail, like you were saying... Uh, one thing that I wrote down on top of like you know in the film they like just kill him out like he like doesn't even say anything and they just like kill him outside well um and like in the film like Wormtail is like happy like someone's like listening in in the book he was like terrified like talking to Voldemort like hey someone could be listening in like it was a totally like different vibe like, it was, like, like they tried to give off this vibe for Wormtail, where he's, like, some confident, creepy, like, Palpatine kind of character. And that's never been him. Ever. <laughs> like, ever. Um, and then we kind of, uh, like you said, you mentioned the Barty Crouch Jr. thing, but, and at Bertha Joinkins, that was huge, but, um, and, of course, you know, we mentioned the Burrow, just like you said, but... Harry, like, sends a letter to Sirius, uh, like, after his dream in the film, and he only, like, sends the letter to Sirius, like, after Hermione, like, gives him advice on it. Like, when would Hermione ever have to give him advice to think about Sirius? Like, just throwing that out there, like, Hermione, like, I'm a Hermione Granger fan, but that doesn't even make sense. Like, why, just throwing that part, like, it's not that big of a deal. But, like, why would Hermione give him advice to think of Sirius? Because, like, if anything, she's the one that would probably be like, oh, I just thought of Sirius. Like, she was the one in Azkaban that was like, stay the hell away from that guy. Like, why is that the case? Because they so want to overblow her there. character in the film. And I've said it, if I said it once, I've said it 12 times. They just want to overblow Hermione's character, make her seem more important in the movies than she really is. It happens. Yeah, I gotta agree with you there. And I'm a, <laughs> you know, I'm a Hermione guy. Like, yeah. she's my. She's literally in my top. Um, actually, she is my number one. <laughs> Don't want to ruin that, but I think everyone knows that at this point. Just and I'll tell you reasons way later on, months from now. But I gotta say, like that just makes no sense to me. So yeah, after you, man, it's all you. All right, now talking about Quidditch. Now I'm at the Quidditch World Cup here. They like Malfoy's made it seem like they had terrible tickets. Like talk, talking about like the Weasleys. They were like, oh, you guys, uh, you know, they, you, they didn't say anything. They, 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 we got a private box with a minister. Well, they were all in the same box in the book. I don't know why they had to make it seem like, like that. Maybe it's just to reaffirm that the Weasleys were poor. But they actually got amazing seats. They got the best seats that you could get. They were in the top box, like with the mm -hmm. prime minister and with, um, I'm sorry, the minister of magic and... Lucius Malfoy, they were in the same one. That's why, like you, like when the book is like, you just have to mortgage your entire like house to get these tickets. You know, in the in the film, they're like, oh, you guys, like they had bad seats. They had bad seats to the World Cup. They had them like in the middle of the thing. Like it was terrible. It was so bad. So that that's what this, that was just factually inaccurate. It just wasn't true. <laughs> like you can't do that. And yeah. then 
there was also no Vila at all at the Quidditch World Cup. They didn't do their coming out dance and seeing this new cool magical creature that if you guys watched last week, both Chase and I ranked in our top five magical creatures a goblet. They just decided they didn't want anything to do with it. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, and, and then didn't want anything to do with that. No, nothing. Nope. And then uh, Victor Crumb, he was like a show off in the film. Like he was like doing like laps around, like pumping his fists. Like he was super quiet and like reserved in the book. That's just not his personality. They changed his complete personality like it's not the same guy and not to mention he didn't even look like he, how he's described or pictured in the illustrations here at all and, at all and then yeah. the last one because it's the biggest one and i'll turn it back over to chase is they didn't even show the fucking match like they didn't even show the world the world they showed them coming out and then that was it like or the fact that fred and george bet on ireland winning but Crumb getting the snitch, like, and how that plays into Bagman, who doesn't really get any, like, hit. Like you said, Bagman's six seconds on screen was him going with his one, Sonorous, like, so he could hear his voice. That was it. Then he was gone from the film. Like, that, he might as well not have been We're assuming that's Bagman. It's not like they even say his name. That could have been a homeless guy off the street for all we know. I think know. we can safely <laughs> assume it's Bagman because... In the book, yeah. that's what Bagman does. He touches his wand to his throat and yells right. sonorous at the beginning. So we can safely assume that's him, but that's all that's there. Like that's a whole other side story of this book is like the blackmail between Fred and George and Ludo Bagman about like the gold that they spent and like what ends up happening at the very end when Fred and George don't need the gold anymore because Harry's like, you know, screw that guy, I got you. Like, like all that's gone. No Quidditch. No Quidditch World Cup. They, they don't. They don't show it. Like. If you're, if you're, I don't know how we didn't catch this growing up or really get big, make a bigger deal of it. We all love Quidditch. It's one of our favorite sports. It was so cool. Yeah, one of the yeah. best things about the Harry Potter franchise. And you're not going to show the biggest match that that <laughs> takes place in the series on film. Are you kidding me? Anyways, that's my next five. Take it away from there, my dude. And this is when I start having some major problems. Like the rest of it, I could kind of just like. I'm okay with it. Like, I'm not happy about it, but I'm okay with it. So, um, as far as uh, at this point, you know, well, uh, one thing I will bring up on the side was also the leprechauns that were on the other side of the game were in it as well. That's not really as much of a big deal. Well, they had that one shamrock thing that you could see that, like, they created this shamrock in the sky. So that's why I didn't say anything about the leprechauns. Okay, yeah, I guess. But you're right. They weren't in it in a big way. You're right. But, like, at least least they were there. (laughs) At least they were there. Yeah, yeah. But um, in the book, so here we go. So this is my big problem starting off. Big problem. In the book, when the Death Eaters attack at the World Cup, Harry gets trampled and loses his wand, which creates a massive plot. A massive plot where you're trying to figure this out through the whole book. We just omitted it. No reason to have that shit in there. Like, why? Well, just you, no reason. No reason. Uh, you know, if you're given uh, the keys to Peyton Manning and want to sign him, we don't sign good players. That's There's no reason to do that. So we just omitted that entirely. Uh, Dobby and Winky, well, we already had Dobby in Chamber of Secrets, so, you know, no reason to put him in here because we can just throw him in randomly in Deathly Hallows. He'll make an appearance at the end. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Really appreciate that. Uh, and then, of course... I didn't have that much of a problem with this, but Hermione, my girl, Spew is just completely omitted. 
take a shot <laughs> since we are doing the malice in the chalice baby that was a throwback you know <laughs> for those of our fans that have followed us from the beginning that was a little easter throwback for you um and then last one i'll turn it back over to you another two creatures that were in our top five well uh i had one of these in my top five you had both hagrid's blast ended scroots and nifflers are just omitted we're just gonna omit that yeah and i'll turn it back to you that's my thoughts on that like i am dead silent because i don't even know what to say even universal studios can put it in a ride but you can't even mention it in a film like can't even mention it uh, not to mention, it takes like two seconds of CGI to put that together. Just film a, a lobster and put a shell on it with some lasers that you can computer generate. I don't understand why Universal Studios can put it in a ride, <laughs> but yet you can't put it on a almost a three-hour film? I don't know. Yeah, dude. It. I've got even some going back to like right after the Quidditch World Cup. I've got some issues on that, too. In the movie, Arthur Weasley is like, Get back to the port key. Um, that didn't happen. He said, "Take mm-hmm. care of Ginny and like get to the woods because he's gonna go take care of it." Like they didn't know where the port key yeah. was. Imagine everyone trying to run back to that port key. That wouldn't make sense because there's only one there. They wouldn't all be able to get to it. <laughs> like, are you kidding? Like that's the most ridiculous thing. That wasn't in the book at all. And then also the way the Death Eaters were attacking the campsites. They didn't blow up the campsites like they showed in the film. They had the Muggles like raised above their heads and they make them do contorted, weird like things in the air, torturing the Muggles. You know, by suspending them in midair and making them do shit with their body. Like, they never once blew up the campsites and made it seem like they were attacking other wizards. That just didn't happen. That's just not true. Uh, Harry was never knocked unconscious. Like, that, like in the book. And the film made him, like, knocked unconscious. And then we woke up, like, he looked around and it was basically like Drogon came through with a fire and destroyed the whole, like, town. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Dracarys! Like, like, <laughs> like, he, like, woke up and all of a sudden everything's all burned and singed. And then... Like, Barty Crouch just, just wasn't out and about and casting the dark mark with Harry's wand. Like, that just didn't happen. Like, he was invisible in the invisibility cloak. Like, that is, it's not a spoiler because we talked about this last week, right? Like, he was in the invisibility cloak. Winky was with him pulling him along. They got stunned by the Ministry officials. Like, like, though, like that's what happened. You, because that's your, your point. You can't change that. That's changing the story. Or else you wouldn't have known who this guy... Like, we kind of know who this guy <laughs> is all along. That there's a bad guy waiting in the wings where... In the book, you just don't know, and it, it builds a suspense. You can't just, just not. Like, oh yeah, you know what? He's just gonna show up and cast it. Everyone can see him. Not a problem at all. He has a wand. No worries. It's an escaped prisoner of Ask, like from Azkaban. No, no problem. And then, this is a this is another problem I have with what they did with Hermione. They try to push Hermione again with her being the one to educate Harry on the dark mark. It was Mister Weasley in the book. Keep in mind, Hermione and Harry are muggle-born. Well, not muggle-born. Hermione's muggle-born, but Harry has lived with muggles his whole life. Point being is that they don't know what the dark mark represents because they never had to witness it. So Mr. Weasley was like, hey, you guys don't know what this means. Like, imagine coming home and that's above your house. You don't know what you're going to find inside. In the movie, Hermione's like, oh, that's Voldemort's mark, baby. I know all about that. Like, okay, okay. thanks, guys. Like, Warner Brothers really liked Emma Watson a lot, apparently. So... <laughs> And then my last one before I turn it over to you. Actually, you already kind of said it, but there was no Winky. And also, like, they just happen to be back on the Hogwarts Express. They don't go back to the borough. Like, there's no mention of the dress robes about, like, how Ron and his mom argue about, like, the frills on his dress robes or anything like that. Like, it's just, like, right from there, it's just, boom, right on the Hogwarts Express. So, from there, dude, I'll, I'll give it back over to you. 
Yeah, man. Uh, uh, another big one here. Remember how I had that whole big section where I talked about Harry had this big dream that was a foreshadowing moment? Well, Sybil Trelawney, not one of her classes is even mentioned. Like, not one divinations class. The whole dream that we talked about apparently just never happened. <laughs> just never happened, never mentioned. Um, not one of Sybil Trelawney's classes. Um, also, here's one we've harped on a lot. So, when Harry's name is pulled out of the Goblet of Fire... So in the book, Dumbledore just goes, Harry. Well, I don't know if he said Harry, but he goes, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Well, in the film, he goes, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? And like shoves him against a table. Dumbledore would never do that. He would never do that. Ever. Dumbledore, especially shoving Harry against a table? No. Like, Ever. That is entirely against Dumbledore. Even when we read about it in the book where he really stands his ground against Fudge and also against McGonagall when he was about to go off on Barty Crouch Jr. and find out exactly what happened, he never even shoved Barty Crouch against the table. So, like, why in anyone's right mind would he shove Harry Potter that he's known since he was a baby against the table? And much worse, have, like, some weird Turkish, like, Australian kind of accent thing going on. Just throwing that out there. In my last one, The Weighing of the Wands, one of my favorite chapters, Garrick Ollivander. Apparently, they just don't do the Weighing of the Wands ceremony. Ever. Apparently, that doesn't exist in the film world. So, that was something that they do not do before Triwizards Tournaments because... It takes too long, and it's not necessary, and it's a waste of time. And Garrick Ollivander is probably dead by now, according to them. <laughs> so, and that goes, I'm going to turn it back over to you, man. Yeah, it's going back to the Hogwarts Express. This is one of the very, I think, I think I've got three or four times where I do like what happened in the movie a bit better than in the book, and this is one of the very few is with, um, I like how they added Cho Chang bumping into Harry at the trolley and giggling. Because you start mm -hmm. to build that, you start to build into the attraction there. So I did, I did appreciate that. It is different still. It didn't happen in the book, but that's one of the additions I did like actually. So shout out there for once. Also, Harry didn't send the owl to Sirius from the Hogwarts Express in the book. He sent it from the Dursleys' house. Like he didn't just like here, Hagrid, get out this window here yeah. and go ahead and <laughs> find Sirius. It's fine. <laughs> um, the arrival from Bobatins and Durmstrang. There was like no introduction. They were just they just got there the same day as the Hogwarts students did. In the book, the Triwizard Tournament was announced at the welcome feast, but the foreigner students didn't arrive until Halloween. Like they just like they just got they all of a sudden you just had them show up on the same day as, as Hogwarts. Like like that just didn't happen. On top of that, what the hell was up with the entrance routines? Like the girls going, ah, and then like the the Durmstrang coming in with like the staff do 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 like. Like baton throwing they in the like air, Vikings or Dude, something. That's in what the I'm book, saying. Is that Pirates of the Caribbean moment? Like, could have been so cool if they had like a ship come out of the lake. No, like they wanted to look like they were literally like a bad spinoff version of the TV series Vikings, but no one had swords. They just grabbed some sticks out of the fireplace. It was ridiculous, and they they're like like re memorized routines. They never did that in the book, like. That's just like, like, of course all the Hogwarts students would be put off at that point. Like, why are these people just trying to show off? Like, 
the girls leaning and sighing, trying to get you like attracted. They're like, "What the heck is this stuff, man?" So I thought that was ridiculous. Um, Can I Hagrid on stabbing? That real quick? Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry, do your thing. Yeah, no, no. I was What's just up? gonna say before you take your next one, but the Durmstrang strain guys, as far as the little sticks. It was like they had watched Fellowship of the Ring way too many times, and they were trying to be like, you shall not pass! But they just made a choreography routine out of it. I don't know, man. Maybe there was Belrog somewhere that they were trying to fight off, but I couldn't find any anywhere. Agreed. I mean... Also, Hagrid's hand stabbing Flitwick with the like with the like his fork. Like, remember he like stabbed him in the hand with a fork at the welcoming feast when he was looking at Mrs. Uh, Madame Maxime. He like he like stabbed Flitwick in the hand. That just didn't happen. Um, Dumbledore's demeanor again, very harsh, like br- brusque words. Like like that's not how he comes off. He's always calm, cool, collected in the moment. Like you cannot like Dumbledore is like that guy. Is, he's unflappable. Like, no matter what happens, he's always going to, like, like, that's why when the small times that he does kind of snap a little bit, it's like, whoa. Where in the movie, it's like he's like that all the time, so there's no significance to it. He's just always shouting and yelling and, ah! It's really ridiculous. And the last one before I turn it back over to you is Mad-Eye Moody's entrance is just way off. Like, he, like, remember in the book, he kind of, like, kicked the door open and everyone kind of stopped and it was raining. He, like, walked his way up to Dumbledore with, like, and then not on top of that, the appearance that was a terrible casting choice. I'm sorry, the guy. No, no harm to the actor at all. It's just casting-wise, he did not look like what Mad Eye Moody is supposed to look like. He's supposed to have um, a, a wooden leg with like a bear claw at the bottom. Like half his nose is supposed to be missing. He's supposed to be like heavily scarred, not just some overweight middle-aged white dude with a like the, the eye that sticks out. Like it's just it's not the same. It didn't look like what it was supposed to look like. If you guys saw the illustration. And the in the chapter uh, for him when he first get introduced, you'll see what he's supposed to look like, and it's not that. So, anyways, like those are my American. next five. That's what I thought. I thought I thought he looked more like you know that that could just be me though. Some people might have seen it differently, but I saw like you know like that like the old wise guy like like not wise guy like in as like a joker, but like you know, like he's an old wise man who's been through a lot of wars and has a lot of experience, and so like he's like that's the scars to show for it, and he's just kind of someone people look to as an authority figure because he's kind of like been there done that so they respect him or this guy he just kind of like an overweight middle-aged dude you know who would have been a really good mad eye moody by the way who the guy that played mance raider would have been an awesome mad eye moody love it would have been great would have been yeah. awesome 100 percent. couldn't agree more <laughs> But take take the next couple, man, because that was my that was my last five there. Well, not last five, yeah, ever, I mean, but like last five. Yeah. Um, I guess another one is I guess because I mentioned way in the wands, I'll just bring this up now. But like the dragon scene, it was cool the way they did it. But once again, they like blew it out of proportion. Like when Harry like takes off on the on the fireball, but then he like gets stuck on a house or something. And, like, drops the firebolt. So, I guess he just, like, never gets the firebolt back. And, like, the dragon, like, falls. I don't understand, like, why the dragon, like, just fell, like, in the air. Almost like, uh... I I can't even explain it. Almost like in Die Hard, like, when, you know, the guy that plays Snape, like, falls. (laughs) Like, the dragon, like, falls and he has, like, wings. It was just, like, really blown out of proportion. Like, in the book... You know, he, like, uses the charm that we've learned him, like, try to perfect the whole time with Hermione, like, Accio. 
like trying to get the egg and it was just like he like swooped by grabbed this egg and then like the dragon like takes off past him it was cool for like scene moments especially if you're a kid you would really love that scene but it was really blown out of proportion um uh, i guess i'll i'll give it to you guys Point one for the film. I'll give the film point one. I thought the moment was cool. I thought the visuals were cool. Um, here's a big one, though. So, in the book, uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione go visit Sirius in that cave much later on. Well, in the film, Harry only sees Sirius in the fireplace. Like, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Um and then uh, I guess the other one, uh, here's another big one, just because we're talking about Sirius, and that's the only reason I'll bring this up now, but, you know, Sirius is invited by Dumbledore to the office at the end of the book, and Dumbledore uh, tells Snape also at the end of the book to put aside his differences with Sirius. And, like, all this, all this mention of Sirius is just omitted from the film. Omitted. <laughs> with that, I'll turn it back over to you, man. Yeah, dude, not only that, like, remember Dumbledore is the one that helped Sirius find the place to hide out during the Triwizard Tournament in Hogsmeade. Like, there's none of that is ever mentioned. But what I'll do is I'll, I'll go through mine to catch up to where you're at because you're kind of right around the first task. I've got a couple, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to yeah. bounce mine off until I get to the first task and catch up with you. But yep. um, Barty Crouch Sr., like, you know, the, the one that we see that you're supposed to see, he wasn't mm-hmm. the one who announced the age restrictions. That was Dumbledore in the thing, so I don't know why they made him do that. Um, again, like Dumbledore has never shouted, Silence! Ever. To, <laughs> to quiet down the Great Hall. When has Dumbledore ever shouted? No one. All he has to do is stand up, and everyone respects him enough, and they just stop talking. Like He never ever once has to shout silence to the, the, his students. That's the most ridiculous thing. Um... Moody turns Malfoy into a, fate, a ferret like right away in the in the movie. Where in the book, it's like it, it leads up to it a little bit. Um, but also, Mad Eye Moody never puts Harry Potter under the Imperious curse in the film. That's a big moment for the big battle that Voldemort and Harry have later on. You like that's that helps him train kind of to f- know how to throw off the Imperious curse. But they just don't show that. You know, all he's doing is on the spiders and stuff. So that was kind of stupid. Um, like Moody himself acted way more sketchy in the film than in the movie like in the book he was good about like kind of keeping a low cover and you didn't really know it was him like they like she did a great job in the writing of it but on screen he was so sketchy you knew there was something off with him like right away he would like sometimes like lick the side of his face like like, he would just do some weird things like he was just way more sketchy in the movie they didn't need to do that like, let it naturally... Yeah. Like, that's the thing. I think the problem that these people have is they tried to force things instead of letting them come naturally throughout the telling of the story. So that was kind of ridiculous. Uh, I did like how they made the Triwizard Cup look. The Triwizard Cup, like yeah. the one right here, oh, it did look a lot cooler in film than how it was described on on, um, on the book. So in the, in the movie, if you guys haven't seen it, uh, it looks just like this on the screen. For the people who are just listening on audio, check us out on YouTube at uh, Ridiculous Patronus. But the, to let you guys kind of give you an idea, it's got three dragons as like the handles. It's got the words Triwizard around the cup edge and then like a dragon kind of crawling down to the base of it and it's all silver. Where like in the book, it's more like more or less described as like 
one of those trophies that you would see in like Crash Bandicoot, like once you won the racing game, and it's like just a standard gold one with a smooth. Because remember, like I said, Harry grasped the smooth handles of the Triwizard Cup. So like, I like right. how the the cup looks better in the film than I do in the book. That's the second thing I like more about the movie than the book. But there's not very many of those times. Um, like you said, I don't need to really harp on it. Dumbledore never screamed at Harry about putting his name in the Gallifire. Like, like, um. This is what I talked to you about uh, yesterday. Is about when they added a staff meeting where McGonagall says not to let Harry go and not to use him as bait, and Snape says, "Hey, let it play out how it should." And Dumbledore is like, "I agree with Severus." Like that didn't happen. That extra, an extra staff meeting of just those three there. Like, he's putting like his thoughts in the pensive. Like number one, Harry like, Dumbledore would never agree to use Harry as bait, ever. And like I just, just I don't understand why they added that. It was kind of ridiculous. <sighs> then um, this is the part what kind of annoyed me too. Like I guess in their version of the weighing of the wands, when Rhea Skeeter was like kind of taking the pictures and doing interviews, she uh, like oh they they open up like a broom cupboard, and she tells Harry, "You should feel right at home." Why would he feel right at home? She should never know. <laughs> like she well the thing is is like he used to live in a broom cupboard, right? But Rita Skeeter would yeah. have never known that. There's not, there's no like correlation of anyone talking and getting it to her that she would have known that he lived in a broom cupboard, so right. that annoyed me. And then um, Harry knows about the dragons, but when he met Sirius in the fire in the novel, because Sirius was gonna think, like, so I didn't understand why they put it this way. Like they basically, at this point in time in the movie, Harry didn't know about the dragons when he talked to Sirius in the fire. Which is wrong, because in the book, he did know about the dragons, because Sirius was about to give him advice on how to defeat the dragon, or how to get past the dragon. So the fact is, like, he didn't even know the dragons were the first task yet in the movie. It's just wrong. It's just not right. So, then let me catch up to you with the, to the first task here. Um, Sirius didn't tell Harry about Crouch's son in the fire. I don't know, they decided that was an important thing to put there in the fire, uh, they talk about his son when they he visits in Hogsmeade, and they go up there, and he talks about like Kakarot, like giving him up and all that. Like, he doesn't just tell him in the fire, like, "Ooh, Kakarot's a Death Eater." Ooh, Barty Crouch. So I remember like he had that argument with like Ron and Hermione because like they were arguing against each other, and he's like, "Oh, you have the measure of him better than I thought, Hermione." Of course, he would send his son to Azkaban. Like, no, that had nothing. That nothing happened like that in the movie. It was all. Hey, this is what who's who. I'm in the fire real quick. I'm never gonna show up again in this movie, Harry. So I might as well just tell you everything right here before I like, before I go away for good. So yeah. that was silly. And then because of that, Harry never actually throws the badge at Ron like he does in the book. I thought that was a funny yeah. little thing they added yeah. in the book, throwing the Potter Stinks badge and hitting Ron in the forehead. I thought that was funny. But um, they made it seem like it was Ron's fault that he never told Harry, which is just. And Ron didn't know. It was Hagrid that showed Harry about the dragons. Yeah. But, um, and then also, the Harry didn't break open Cedric's bag. Like, yeah, like the book, remember that. how he, like, good. Hit, hit that with, like, the quick spell and it broke open Cedric's bag, and that's when he tells him, like, no, he just tells him. Like, he just sees him, and, like, while they're all wearing the Potter Stinks badges, he's like, hey, man, it's dragons. Like, yeah. So. Funny, uh, mention on that, which is very interesting, something I caught. So he casted Defendo in the book. So he said, Defendo! And it split the bag open. <laughs> well, at the end of the third task of the film, which we'll talk about uh, towards the end of this episode, remember like when 
Cedric like mentioned a few weeks ago got attacked by the vines. Well, in the film, that's what Harry shouts to like release him of the grass or whatever he was getting attacked by. So I just caught that. It's like they just took that out and was like, this would go better here. So, but yeah, you keep going, man. I just have two before the first task, and that's the fact that Moody had a prosthetic leg in the film. Like he popped it up like on the the thing there when it was a wooden Mm -hmm. leg in the film, and then also. Ludo Bagman wasn't lingering around trying to give Harry advice like he was doing in the book. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the first task... Oh, wait a second. Because now I'm at the first task. This annoyed me, too. Of course they have to make Hermione be the one to yell down to Harry to use his wand. Like She's like, use your wand, Harry! Like You think that he would be... Number one, let's say that this, this did happen. Like Hermione gave him the inspiration to find his wand to summon the Firebolt. Number one, it never mm-hmm. happened. But you're, you're in front of the whole school, a roaring stadium. If you've ever played sports in front of a stadium, you can never make out what a single person says, ever. It's just a bunch of loud noise. But no, of course Hermione says something, and Harry's like, Oh yeah, I should probably use my wand here. Like, that was really silly. And, uh, yeah, I, I did think that one thing, like, to your point, I agreed that the first task looked kind of cool. That this, Like, the dragon snapping its restraints and chasing him through Hogwarts grounds, like... It was. It looked cool on screen. That was fine, but it's just not what happened in the thing. But uh, that's me caught up with you here at the first task, and take it away, my man. Yeah, man. Actually, I gotta catch up with you now because oh. I just had I moved that part about the dragon, so I'm actually way behind you. So I got like eight things I gotta run through real quick. But um, so also like in the book, by the way, remember when Malfoy Moody turns him into a ferret? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in the book. Remember, it was Harry and Malfoy got into that altercation involving Ron's mom. In the film, Moody just, like, walks down and turns him into a ferret before he attacks Harry. He's just like, into a ferret, leave him. It was like, there was no reason whatsoever. Um, And the movie also, of course, like, Crumb tells Rita Skeeter to, like, get out of the champion's tent. I guess, like, point one for the movie. I thought that was cool. But, like, if you can add something like that in there, then why can't you add something that's actual an actual, like, plot twist to the story? I don't know. Um, also, as far as... Uh, so, in the book, Hermione tells Ron she has a partner to the dance in the Gryffindor common room. In the film, it's just, like, in the Great Hall. <laughs> like, they're just, like, there. Um, the movie does show, like, Snape also punishing Harry and Ron... For like talking in class so that doesn't happen <laughs> in the book yeah yeah i was like okay like i'm a snape guy but at the same time you can fit that in there but you can't fit like something super important um the book i thought this was amazing too uh, you know i'm a snape guy speaking of snape in the book remember like snape pressures harry into drinking his potion made in class his like antidote that's messed up <laughs> that they think is probably messed up because he's not doing it right um, and then Harry winds up uh, one uh, like actually um, Kakarov remember as far as like the dragons like he had like followed Madame Maxine in the book yep and like that gave like a reason for like why Crumb would know about the dragons but yep. I guess in the film like Crumb's just a dragon expert like Charlie Weasley for some reason so he knows all about it um, Harry in the book, you know, spies 
on that like heated argument between Snape and Kakarov at the Yule Ball. So that was cool. So I'm starting to catch up with you here. Um, and then just making sure after that, I'll probably let you take it away. Uh, yeah, and at that moment, I'll, I've caught up with you. So I'll let you go ahead and take it, take it away, man. Okay, so like a little bit after the first task, <clears throat> the next thing I have is that uh, they didn't announce the points the champions received for the first task in the movie. They didn't tell them like mm-hmm. how they scored. Like, what's the point of having yeah. the Triwizard Tournament if you're not going to tell us what their score is? It's <laughs> like, what? Yeah, right. <laughs> what in the world is that? Um, after that, like, they, they said, Ron, they, they had that weird thing where it was like, Ron told me to tell you that Pravardi told Seamus, like, all about, like, basically it made it seem like Ron knew about the dragons because Charlie told Ron in the movie. But yeah. that's not what happened. Like, Ron didn't know anything about it. Ron... Ron didn't help Harry out with the first task at all. He didn't tell Hagrid. He he didn't do that. Charlie made a point to keep it a secret from them during the whole introduction of the book of like, oh, I can't wait to see you guys. There's amazing, cool things happening at Hogwarts. And they were all bugging him like, tell us, tell us, tell us. Like, And he wouldn't tell them. So to make it seem like Ron just was supposed to know because Charlie is his brother, that's just, again, factually inaccurate. It's silly. Yeah. And then... Um, I thought that was kind of cool too was uh, Harry and Cho flirting in the Great Hall and he, like, he kind of spills his soup out of his mouth a little bit there just smiling at her that was nice like I really like I like them as a couple man I, I really thought that's what it should have done but the next part is like they sent the dress robes in the mail no they argued about it before they went to the, the thing they, when Mrs. Weasley yeah. were putting their stuff together it made her feel bad because that's one thing I was upset about is that Ron made his mom feel bad about not having money because like he couldn't get good robes because they were poor but they just send them to him in the mail like it's no big deal like that's no oh my gosh like that's that's part of like the suspense too because like you don't know what these dress robes are for in the book where like they already know about the triwizard tournament now and now you're just sending them down through the the, whatever but then um (laughs) last one and i'll turn it back over to you is professor mcgonagall teaching them how to dance and dances with ron Mm -hmm. i thought that that never happened i mean it's kind of funny but like it's just not yeah that didn't happen so go go for it yeah um yeah what actually happened in the book right was when i remember when we were reading about it like mcgonagall was talking to like harry in class and kind of like pulls him back after the class and was like you know uh who do you like are taking to the ball yeah so it's totally different um also like as far as in the ball right the film omits completely where hagrid like admits he's a half giant like that's a major plot plot missing there like just just omitted it um with madame maxine when that incident happened uh also like the article like rita posted about hagrid is just entirely omitted speaking of hagrid um as far as like also percy uh remember like he had like taken the spot uh for uh crouch that was there like he was like substituting in well, like, all that was missing, so Percy wasn't even at the Yule Ball. <laughs> like, they just, like, you're not, we can't afford you for this one, man. We can't afford you. You done. <laughs> you done. Even though he's been in the other films. Um, and then, kind of, at this point, you know, in the book, when he goes into the, he goes into the prefect's bathroom there in the book, uh, he, like, trips on the missing step. Drops the egg down the stairs, causing the egg to open with that like screeching sound that causes Filch to arrive. And remember, he thinks it's Peeves with the egg. 
And then Moody and Snape arrive, which, you know, we find out why Moody was, like, bailing him out, right? Uh, but Snape, of course, was suspecting that Harry was there and had been, of course, like, taking all the stuff out from his office, right? Uh, all of this is, that entire scene that made, like, such a big part in the book was just omitted. We just omitted the whole thing. Like, just omitted the whole thing. So, and back to you, man. Yeah, that one frustrates me, and I'm about to get to that one too, because it's, it's like that's such a big part to the plot of the story in the movie. Like, but let me get let me get there real quick, because I'll, I'll go on that one for a second. My gosh. Yeah. But um, yeah, like, like you said, Hagrid doesn't tell Madame Max- Maxime about his heritage until the U ball in the book, and he just kind of is like, walking around like this thing and telling her like on a regular sunny day. Yeah. Like I thought that was interesting. Also, there was no Victor Crumb stalking Hermione in the library. Like, remember how he was supposed to, like, like looking yeah, around, yeah, thing, like, right. checking to see, yeah. like, hey, Hermione, uh, you know, when all the girls were following him around, and he was trying to follow her around. Which, again, yeah. 18-year-old stalking a 14-year-old maybe is not the best thing to put in to a movie, so maybe I can understand that. But, like, still, I don't think that that thought process had actually gone into it. I think they just kind of forgot about it. Now, yeah. also, I also like the hourly, the owlry meetup in the movie between Cho and Harry when they were both sending owls and they kind of like do the whole like getting like in front of her and that's what Harry asks her to, to the dance and her reaction seems super genuine so I actually appreciated the movie doing that versus how it yeah. happened in the um, in the book where like right, he asked to yeah. speak to her alone they found her alone which I, th- I like that part better that's the, that's the third thing I like better yeah. from the movie than the book but like I said not very many right uh, also, Hermione, her, like, this is just nitpicky, and I'm sorry, but I get nitpicky sometimes. At the Yule Ball, in the book, Hermione's dress was, ca- was um, uh, what's it called? What explained as, no, it's not explained as, was characterized as periwinkle blue, not yeah, pink. Yeah, it was pink. It was pink, and then, like, what the heck was that? Like, you couldn't even get the yeah. color right? I don't understand. Like, gosh. Uh there was like he had this dream about the dark mark in his dorm after the U ball. That never happened. Like yeah. I think maybe that was supposed to take the place of the divination dream, maybe, but like it didn't have anything because that dream was about Wormtail making a mistake, which was like letting Barty Crouch Senior out of his like sight and escape. Where I think this yeah. was their way of just putting something together, which was absolute right. trash. Yeah. So. Um, absolute trash is what it was yeah then like you were talking about too Hagrid wasn't crying about Rita Skeeter and wanting to resign that just like never happened and we never got to see him snap out of it because that's when Harry got why that's important to the story is remember like like, them going to see Hagrid and comforting him and like telling him not to resign that's what kicked Harry into gear because Hagrid's like you know what Harry you're gonna win this thing man I believe in you like like, he like Hagrid's like sadness and like faith in harry made harry feel bad about not com- completing the second task or knowing what's coming he's like all right you know what i gotta take cedric's advice now like i gotta do it for hagrid right so that just didn't happen so the motivation just wasn't there right um yeah harry like harry doesn't get the clue from cedric and then just immediately goes to the bathroom that's that's wrong too that was in the film yeah. he just like beats hagrid and he's like hey take a bath and then like he's just there <laughs> no like, like cedric tells him about it Harry tries to ignore it for as long as he can, and then he, when he can ignore it no longer, that's when he's like, fine, let's see what his hint's worth. So that, that's silly, man. Um, Moaning Myrtle never said anything about the polyjuice potion in the book. Yep. So, And then in page 463, again, this is nitpicky. This might be they've got to cut some time back on it. 
but they didn't recite the full song for the um what's it called the, the mirror people there was a whole yeah, they, 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 yeah. they like lift out two lines of the song which is mm-hmm. fine whatever i can deal with it it's just <laughs> but the thing is like it but made yeah, it you... <laughs> it made it seem much more menacing in the book like hey like once an hour's gone like like you won't get it back basically like once hours like they made it seem like super serious in the book where in the movie like there was no urgency so and then like i said the you you touched on this and i'll leave it here and give it back to you is they leave out one of the most instrumental moments when harry sees barty crouch in snape's office on the marauders map where he gets trapped by that trick stare and moody bells him out and takes the marauders map that's a couple of things that happen there number one seeing barty crouch in snape's office that's huge i'm sorry but like yeah that's something you've got to put in there then on top of that moody taking the marauders map that's how moody figures out his dad's escaped and where he's at like there's just so much to the storyline like you can't leave that part out so yes a hundred thousand times yes that's one of the biggest omissions one of the worst (laughs) parts of the movie that they decided not to put in and with that i'll turn it back over to you my brother yeah, man, uh, going back to the Yule Ball real quick, this is just nitpicky, but the weird sisters, man, the weird sisters weren't there. They were. They like, no, they, they were there, because remember, the weird sisters are actually not girls. The weird sisters yeah, they're are guys. They're okay, guys. gotcha. And they, gotcha. they were the yeah. band that sang, so they, they were there. They played briefly, but they, they made an appearance. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure if they were actually the weird sisters, though, or if they were just some band, but... Speaking of that, like, of course, like, Dumbledore didn't, like, wave his wand. Like, that would have been Yeah, so or cool dance. Like, yeah, see? yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and, of course, like, Victor Crumb, man. Like, he wasn't like, w- w- I got drinks. <laughs> like, it would have been so cool to see Victor Crumb in that, like, yeah, <laughs> it's game time, baby. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, that's just being nitpicky, really. But, like, some of the major plot holes, like you said, you know, that's that's where I'm... In the words of Tyrion Lannister, but this, but this can't be forgiven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but like this, man, like Hogsmeade just never appears, never appears in the film. Like, you know, that whole thing with Lubach Bagman, <laughs> where they walked over and saw, none of that ever happened. No reason to, because he doesn't exist, right? Um, well, he exists only as a Quidditch commentator, apparently. Um moody's ability to like see through invisibility cloaks is like never mentioned ever in the film like never mentioned at all um in the books like this was a big one like dobby gives harry the gillyweed um and whereas in the film like it's neville like i didn't have a super big problem with this i just had more of a big problem that you just completely omitted take another shot (laughs) throwback baby throwback I gotta throw him back. But I do, <laughs> but, I do have a huge problem with that, and let me explain why. Like, because yeah. at the very end, remember in the book, I'm talking about mm-hmm. when Barty Crouch gives his confession to Harry. He's like, all you had to yeah. do was ask Neville. He was right there. The the book was in your thing. If you would have asked Longbottom, he would have told you right away. So it's basically like they they yeah. made made that be the actual case. Like, hey, I, I, Neville did overhear mm-hmm. it. Like, no, no, like that, that you just ruined part of the mystique of how he's been helping harry this total time like so i did have a big problem with the fact that they decided hey neville's gonna be the one to figure out gillyweed and not dobby so continue on i just that did i did have a problem with that (laughs) oh you're good and uh this is just being nitpicky as well but like i described it on our episode for the second task like in the book harry like emerges slowly into the black lake and it's like freezing cold remember 
Well, in like the film, he like eats the gillyweed and like dives into the water, and then all of a sudden has all these films like like emerges out and does like this massive like dive. I don't know if it was like a backflip. It was like a backflip. Yeah, it was really weird. <laughs> It's like a backflip. Yeah, he was like super excited, like jumps into the water. And then, uh, of course, like uh, in the film, like Harry uses Ascendo and like goes Ascendo to like emerge out of the lake at the end. And like in the book, he just like swims out. Like you're trying to like over exaggerate the moment, just like you did the whole dragon task in the first task. So that was just my problem with that. But yeah, man, all yours. There's bigger problems with that other than the fact that they try to overblow it. He literally was not able to cast spells underwater in the book. Remember, he tried and, like... That's right. Like, like yeah, he literally yeah, couldn't. Literally he tried can. to speak out of it, and, like, the bubbles came, and it was just hot water. So, like, let me... Yeah. I'm, I'm almost right there, too. I'm, I'm two steps away from that. So, talk, to step on out. Well, I won't t- touch on this, because we talked about Neville not being the one to suggest Gillyweed. Mm-hmm. Like, in the book, it was Dobby, right? But I also... This is the fourth thing that I really like that the movie did that the book left out because this is such a Fred and George thing they were taking bets mm-hmm. on the second task like like they like, take your bets here take your bets like they would have totally yeah. done something like that that'd been cool JK Rowling added that it was a nice it was a nice touch by the movie that was the fourth yeah. and final thing I think I like from the movie better that uh, they were taking <laughs> bets on the fourth second and task final <laughs> yeah right and then um they they yeah, when we were going down there when they tried to tell him you can't take Hermione like they like well only one hostage and but he's like, she's my friend but she, too. But she's my friend too. You couldn't talk. Like it says in the movie, he tried to cast spells and talk, and he couldn't. And so, like, like you said, when uh, he's trying to cast spells underwater, he's actually doing it in the movie. Where in the book, it's telling him like, like only bubbles come out, and it's like a streaming hot jet of water at the at the mirror people. Like, so you he actually couldn't do what the movie's telling him that telling us that he is doing. Like the ascendio, getting him out of the water. He couldn't do that. He couldn't say the spell, and the spell wouldn't work. He was trying to cast spells in the book, and it wasn't allowed to. That's a huge problem. And then, uh, Crouch never took Harry to the side or noticed Moody's tongue lick. Remember? Because like they, he pulled him out, and he took him to the side, and then like when Madame Moody did the little uh, like tongue lick thing again, like Ridiculous. Crouch at that point in time, like he realized, no. Remember at this point in time, he wasn't there. Like, like he, like he was sending instructions through Percy about, um, like what he's, what he needed to do, and Percy was taking his place as a judge, and he was under the Imperious curse by Lord Voldemort at the time, so he's not going to be in his presence of mind and then see Madame Moody and be like, oh no, and then Moody like noticed that Barty Crouch noticed, and so Moody has to then like kill him. It just that whole thing was wrong because if you guys remember. It was outside the maze. Victor Crumb goes to talk to Harry about Hermione, about their friendship, and while they're talking, Crouch like appears like kind of half insane, like crawling up to them, not knowing where he is, but knowing he's got to tell Dumbledore something. And then Harry's like, "I'm gonna go get Dumbledore," and then that's when you know he gets stuns Crumb and then kills Barty Crouch. That didn't happen in the movie. In the movie, it's like, hey, Harry, take it. let's take it to the side. Let's have a conversation. I know your story very well. And then he sees Moody do the tongue look, and then his, like, eyes get wide. And then the next thing you know, like, Harry just walks around in a tree, and there's his dead body laying there. I'm sorry. No. Uh, Mad-Eye Moody, or Barty Crouch Jr., transfigured his body into a bone and buried it by, uh, by Hagrid's, like, 
stuff that I was making for the maze. Like, in, like, the, the earth there dug it down deep into the earth and hid the one bony transfigured his body into. That's, you didn't just find his body chilling there. It was all bad, man. So those are the couple things I wanted to take. And I'll, give it, I'll, give it, I'll just give it back no to you because I don't even... Well, no, let me, let me do two more real quick because I'll give yeah. you to my next page. So, and then because of that, because that's what they decided to go with is Crouch taking Harry to the side and then seeing Matt I do the tongue lick, like, that made them leave out Crumb and Harry talking about Hermione. And also, um, they added the licorice sharks to Dumbledore's office when he's like, oh, like, they're, they're sharp, Harry. And then, like, he's eating, like, the licorice sharks, but they're actually, like, alive and, like, biting him and stuff. Um, like, that's fine and all. But the door to the Pensieve didn't just automatically open like that. Like, he didn't just, like, bend down and, like, oh, here is the Pensieve. And so with that, because I know you've got more to say to that on that one, I'll give it back to you because that takes me through the rest of that page. So take the next couple, my man. Yeah, man. Uh, going back to kind of the second task real quick. Remember in the beginning, like one thing you never saw, remember how it described Crumb? Like Hermione was like watching Crumb like train for it. So it kind of gave like the foreshadowing of what was going to go on with the second task. Like, no, like, like, you never saw, like, Crumb, like, be prepared, like, ahead of time, so it took, like, Harry all this time to, like, learn, just, like, piggybacking off what you were saying a while ago, so wanted to mention that, but, yeah, and piggybacking off the whole, like, tongue thing, it was like they wanted to give the perception of, like, he was addicted to polyjuice potion, but it really made no sense, more going on to your point, like, I feel like the directors never read this book, because if you go back to Chamber of Secrets, remember how they described as like how terrible tasting it was and like how it basically like burned going down their throats? Like why would anyone like, he acted like it tasted like Jack Daniels or something. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> like it was like their like perception of like to show like he liked it or something. Like it's, I, I don't know, man. It, it didn't make any sense to me. That or they thought like he secretly like and, and, like, that's another thing. Like, the Barty Crouch had that same problem. Like, they, I think the director, like, really was actually directing... Uh, he probably was, like, directing, like, a spinoff of X-Men where you had, like, Toad or something in there where you're like... But he couldn't remember which one he was actually working on at the time. And then that one probably got canceled. So it didn't pay off at all. Um, and then the Pensieve, right? So coming to the point of where we were talking about right here, why did the Pensieve look like the Chronicles of Narnia wardrobe? Like, please explain. Like, it was just like a bowl, basically, like a big bowl in the book. In the film, it looked like it came out of a cabinet. You could have, oh, you could have gone all the way to the White Witch's castle in that damn thing. Oh my word, I could not believe what I was seeing. I was sitting there waiting to find a fawn in that bitch. Like, it was insane. Just pop on out of the bowl. You've been kidnapped. <laughs> no, nasty. Nasty. That's where you find Barty Crouch Jr. tied up. That's where he was. He was kidnapped by that damn fawn in that witch's castle. That's what I don't understand, man. And then uh, going to this point, as far as the Pensieve, shows three different events in the books. 
has Kakarov's plea deal, which they showed briefly. We'll talk about it in a minute. Ludo Bagman's trial and four Dark Wizards major moments, among which one is Barty Crouch Jr., where he's like crying and begging and pleading. The film showed only Kakarov's plea deal. And Kakarov like accuses Barty Crouch Jr. to have joined Voldemort. And like while he's like doing that, like Kakarov is like licking his tongue again. Like it's like the the symbolism of three lick of tongues. Like someone get out your Pokemon card, because this is getting ridiculous. Like I don't even know where this came from. Like you just made this lick of tongue thing up. And then at this point, like it's like you just cut out like the one of the biggest scenes in the book with like Bellatrix Lestrange like that could have like foreshadowed her kind of leading her in there Helena Bottom Carter major actress like like all these things you could have done what it's just like I have to go with your point like it's like they just didn't read it at all they just like someone told them what it was or they read cliff notes off of Google and they said ah we kind of get the idea and just like went flying by the seat of their pants um, and then the last one, I'll turn it back over to you, man. Is so, like, in the book, like, uh, which you'll probably have to catch on me here, because this is kind of skipping over maybe a little bit. But in the book, so the maze, and I'll let you take this big part one, because this is, like, your huge, like, task, you know. But it features the, I'm just, like, kind of scamming over this part. But it features the Sphinx, Boggart, Spider, and Cedric, like I was saying, like Cedric and Harry are attacked by the spider at the same time and then like what happens is they both have to shoot off the spider at the same time after like Harry's leg is bitten down none of that happens at all instead like they have this devil snare looking thing which wasn't as threatening as devil snare so you really the third task has something that literally a 13 year old could fought off because they fought it off in Sorcerer's Stone. So, like, that makes no sense. And uh, in the film, like, what happens is, like, the people are, like, changing in the maze and, like, Crumb comes up to, like, Harry and his eyes are, like, white for some reason. So if you can make all these eyes white, why can't you make Voldemort's red, like you were saying? And he, like, acts like he's going to kill him, but nothing really happens as opposed to, like, in the books where he was, like, actually, like, attacking Cedric, you know? And, like, what happens is then, like, it's like, he just, like, walks off or something. Like, I don't know where he went to, but he just, like, walked off and never came back and was randomly taken out of the maze, like, the champion of Durmstrang Quidditch World Cup competitor just, like, walks out and, like, was possessed by some grass? Like, please explain, man. And then Cedric, of course, this is what I was saying, like, during that whole moment with the spider and stuff, what actually happens in the film that they chose to do, for some reason, why would the less, not as threatening devil snare? Like, look, like, grass, like, vines turn into arms, so they look like they're straight out of literally the haunted mansion but the old disney sing-alongs like not the new ones so they're like grabbing him and cedric the guy that was literally edward cullen like a beast the dude that's literally in uh literally in the movie tenant like plays every badass out there is like getting beat up by somebody like, oh 
oh! And then, of course, like, Harry casts that spell. He's like, Reducto! Or, like, whatever. He, I think it was actually Reducto. But Reducto, Defendo, whatever he casted, that was completely stupid. Take another shot. Throwback for you. And, like, he's sitting there. And Cedric, like, literally, Seeker? Seeker on the Hufflepuff team. Like, Seeker on the Hufflepuff team is, like, scared for his life against some grass. And he's like, I thought... I thought, I thought, I thought for a minute there you were gonna let it get me, and then of course Harry's like, for a minute there, so did I. Why? Two champions of Hogwarts, like champions considered the best of the best, are afraid of some grass. Like someone go hire the lawn guy. And make sure you get your weed whacker and cast a bewitch charm on it or call Arthur Weasley because he's good at that shit because it was absolutely stupid. Like, sorry, I got no respect for that. Literally, this is the third task. This should be the biggest task. Like, out of all of them. And you put more effort into the first task with the dragon and the second task with the mermaids than you did the biggest one of all. And I'll leave it at that, man. And with that, I'll turn it back over to our own Jay Nelly in the building, man. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Yeah, I'll catch up a little bit with you. Um, I'm still back at like where the pensive is, like um, mm-hmm. the cage with the spikes. Like in the like, what was that? Like in the book, it was just a chair with manacles that would like bind you there. But like when Kakarov like came up the thing, like he was in that weird like chain, and, like the spikes were like inches from his face. He's like, ah. so I thought that was kind of crazy. But to your point. Just briefly touching on it because you did a fantastic job explaining it. Kakarov never gave up Barty Crouch Jr. as one of the names. Not even in the book at any point in time did Kakarov say Barty Crouch Jr. No. He gave up a list of names that did not include that, actually. And then Barty Crouch Jr. was just never at the hearing of, of Kakarov. He wasn't just sitting in like the gallery just chilling. Like, oh, yeah, I'm here making sure it's all good and, and glorious. Like, no, that's not what happened. And then uh, he most definitely did not try to run away and then get stopped by Mad-Eye Moody with, like, the, the like stunning spell or whatever. He's like, hello, father. Like, this is, like, unbelievable. Like, and to your point, when you were saying there was three separate trials in the Pensieve in the book, the first one with Kakarov, the second one with Ludo Bagman, and, like, the third one, that was the most important one. It had, I did, I did a little bit of research because I remember two mm-hmm. weeks ago I had mentioned about um, into the Pensieve itself. I didn't know who the fourth wizard was that was with uh, Barty Crouch, Bellatrix, and her husband. I figured out who it was. Uh, honestly, because I read ahead in order, and that's how I figured it out. But anyways, oh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was uh, Barty Crouch Jr., Bellatrix Lestrange, her husband, Rodolphus, and his brother, Rabastin. So mm-hmm. that's uh, those are who was in the, all four of them who were in the in the book, but like you said, that just didn't happen. It was they just did an all-in-one. Kakarov gives up Barty Crouch Jr. The one thing I know you said you wanted to clarify, so I'll give you a second to clarify it. But like when you said like Barty Crouch kind of seemed more empathetic and like like more human yeah. towards his son, I didn't really think that way. I think it was like like he was more in shock. Like he wasn't so angry. Like in the book, he was like angry, like shouting over him. And that's the other thing too. Barty Crouch was never like confident in his like i am a dark wizard like he was trying to cry to his dad like no dad i'm innocent don't let them take me no no dad father please help me and then his mother was like fainting on the side and like he was like talking over him but in the movie he just like he's like hello father and he's like 
you are no son of mine. Like, it just was like, he was like in shock and just like couldn't believe his eyes more than it was like he felt bad about it. But did you want to clarify what you were saying there? Yeah, all I was saying, I agree 100% with you. All I was saying was it was such more dramatized in the book because in the book it was supposed to be more perceived as this was this like child, like his son, like so not a grown ass man. Like someone explain why this is a grown ass man. Like Barty Crouch Jr. is a grown ass man in the film. Like it makes no sense to me. This is supposed to be a child like a child that almost like sees himself as innocent or you're supposed to kind of get that feeling so you're supposed to feel bad for him and like in the film it was like yes he was in shock and it wasn't like he was being like nice to him but he was just like like almost like oh like ah be rid be gone with you whereas like it was supposed to show like in the book like how cruel it was for him to put his own son there and not even really give him a chance to like speak his case on it like just like like basically get the f out of here is basically what he was uh, like that's the feeling you're supposed to have so my point was it was just a totally different feeling and i don't know about you like what do you think of this i didn't feel any real like connection at all in that scene to barty crouch jr no no emotional connection for me at all no it, it, seemed, it made him seem like he was like happy that he was caught in a way he's like hello father ha, ha, ha. Like, <laughs> yeah what's with the voice like why did they do it like that i don't know man. i don't know man i i hate ragging on things but it's like they did it to themselves they did it to themselves yeah i mean back to you though back to you yeah the next one i got is like they're changing the whole story again because harry didn't tell dumbledore about the dream from the beginning of the book Dumbledore already knew because Sirius had told Dumbledore, remember? He's like, you're not the only one that Sirius is in correspondence with. Like, who do you think gave him the idea about where to hide out in Hogsmeade? So, and Harry didn't dream about Barty Crouch Jr. in the book because Barty Crouch Jr. was never in the room with Voldemort and we weren't telling the book. So, like, it's just a changing of the whole story. So, like, Dumbledore already knew about Harry's dream. He didn't have to tell him again because he even said, like, he's already, Sirius has already had told him. So, that annoyed me. Uh, Mrs. Weasley and Bill didn't show up to cheer Harry on for the third task in the movie. They just left him all alone while Cedric's dad's there cheering him on. Like, like he didn't have anyone there. Where in the book, he had Mrs. Weasley and Bill show up. And then that weird thing that we talked about, it's something small and minor, but it's still silly. When he's like, people change in the maze. You could lose yourself along the way. Like, that never happened in the book, and it just doesn't make sense for why that would make any sort of sense at all. Um, just never happened. Uh, like you were saying, Crumb doesn't find Harry solo and pull the wand and then change his mind. That never happens in the book. God, Harry doesn't find Fleur in the maze. Like, he finds her in the movie yeah. and, like, sends up the red sparks. In the book, we don't know what happened to her. He heard her scream, and that's the last we heard of her until yeah. at the very end of the book. So that, that was different. And then Cedric doesn't sit there and duke it out with Crumb, like, in the maze, like, it shows in the movie. They're, they're duking it out Juan versus Juan. Like, no, Crumb used a Cruciatus curse on Cedric, and Harry had to stun Crumb. Like, like th then they had to send up the sparks to get Crumb out of there. They, they changed this thing completely. And, uh, like you said, like, <laughs> Harry hurts his leg on Spider's pincer in the book. He doesn't race Cedric to the cup, like, running, like, a freaking sprinter's match here. And Cedric doesn't get attacked by Roots. And this is the other thing too is like in the in the book and this is why it's super important is that why like why was Harry able to run because remember they made it such a point to tell that Harry's leg was trashed it was hurt it was injured and that's why he had a hard time getting away or moving or anything 
you know, his leg was like messed up in the book. Not even mentioned in the movie, just fine. He was totally cool. He was running along the thing, making, you know, doing his little stretches and all that. And uh, last one I have before I turn it over to you is, is Harry just doesn't know to get back to the cup and doesn't recognize the place like in the book. So like he doesn't know where they are in the movie. Like in the book, he like he kind of like recognizes it, like where they at, like the riddle like graveyard or like the house in the background. Like, like he's been there before in his dream. Like he just doesn't know they have to get back to the cup. Like, like, you know what I mean? He's like, oh, yeah, get back to the cup, Cedric, in the movie. Like, you don't know that. Like, why are you saying that, like, you know that? Like, yeah. I don't know. And he, like I said, he doesn't recognize a place like that in the book. So, because it's like, I, like, in the movie, he just assumes he knows where it is. Like, in the, in the book, it made it seem like there, there was something familiar about it. And, like, he sort of kind of, like, it was like a, it was like something in the back of his head where in the movie, he just immediately knew, oh, Cedric, I know where we are. We got to get out of here, man. We got to get back to that cup. <laughs> like, that didn't happen. And that's the last one I have on this page, and I'll turn it back over to you, dude. Yeah, man. Uh, just going back to, like, piggybacking off the cup part, like, before they actually take it. Like, in the book, it's so much more sentimental for us. And we really, like, you know you really learn like who cedric is like that's like really a big part of cedric like displaying like his loyalty again and doing what's right and also even harry like you know he's he was like literally yelling at cedric at one point where he's like just take it like he was like starting to almost like get pissed so cedric would like take it and like in the movie they were like together like that's like all they said and they both were just so cool with like sharing that title like no one had any remorse for taking all the glory they were both all for it like we earned this shit let's take it together it's game time baby let's sprint like it's a track literally another track domican sue like whatever you want to call it like it's it, it it was ridiculous like it was just them sprinting to the finish and then you get over here to where you're in Tom Riddle's graveyard. So here's one. Is uh, so when they get there, um, Cedric's. You know, I'm a I'm a Cedric guy. Well, his last lines in the film are, "Who are you? What do you want?" And like then that's when you hear the voice that goes, "Kill the spare!" And like Wormtail goes, "Avada Kedavra!" and kills him. And the book is just like, kill the spare. Avada Kedavra! And like, Cedric doesn't even have a chance. Like, that's why it means so much more. Like, in the book, it's like, he didn't even have a chance to defend that. Like, it was just, like, of course he's not going to be able to defend it. But like, couldn't, like, run away, couldn't do anything. Like, it was just literally out of nowhere. Like, that's where why it was so shocking. Like, in, like, the movie, like, why... If you're so concerned with time, <laughs> then why do you have to add those two lines when it literally changes the whole effect? Like, any, if anything, save yourself the time so you can make a better story. So, um, and then as far as, like, so in the book, Wormtail ties Harry with ropes to Tom Riddle Sr.'s grave and then, like, uh, unties him, like, later on with the dagger under Voldemort's, like, orders, right? Well, in the film, like, Wormtail just, like, uses some magic spell to, like, restrain him on top of that. Like, I don't know why they decided to do this. Maybe because they were really obsessed with Sons of Anarchy. I do love Sons of Anarchy. But, like, he, like, gets stuck behind that Reaper thing with, like, the Grim Reaper with the scythe. And, like, Wormtail just, like, shoots a spell to, like, stick him there behind the scythe. Like... 
why like did it really make it that much more cooler that you can make a grim reach reaper statue like if anything i felt like it killed the effect like you tried to make it more halloweeny i guess but if anything it just made it i actually better. i actually like that part personally like i we uh, well, i'll disagree there i thought it was cooler that they used the angel that looked like a like a death thing to trap him instead of like somehow having rope just ready to there and binding him up like in the book i I thought it was a cool piece of addition. Like that was one of the other ones uh, that I did like. I thought that was cool, but that might have just I'll been me. I might, I might be wrong, man. You. I thought it was just because, like, like ropes are ropes. You gonna tie somebody up? Like, there's nothing special okay. about that. Like, My whole point was, I don't know. Okay, I can buy it. I can buy it. Like, I can see how it'll like give you at least a little bit more cool like visual effect. But they, this just adds to the whole point of like they tried to dramatize it more. Um, but I guess, right? I guess. But still, if you read my rewrite, it was pretty damn cool how, like, Arya got tied down with the chains and the robes. So, I mean, if I can make it pretty cool, I'm pretty sure they can make it cool. So just throwing that out there. With that, I'll send it right back over to you, Jay Nelly. All right, my man. So, <clears throat> getting to the graveyard here. In the book... Wormtail drags the cauldron up the hill to the spot. It's not just already pre-set up. Like, it's just already chilling there in the movie. Like, <laughs> what? Um, I think, and this is the one thing I did say. This is actually, I like two more things better in the movie than the book. So, I, not four, I actually like six. And this is the fifth one, is when, in, instead of being bound by ropes, Wormtail bewitched the angel grave to trap him. I like that personally. Some people might not thought it was cool. Um, but that's like like the fifth thing I liked about the movie. Um, another difference, like in the book, remember he took up like like the his dad's bones were turned to dust by now, and when he pulled the bones up, it was all dust. Where in the movie, it was just like a large bone. Like what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, that was kind of interesting. <laughs> then we've talked it looked to, like a dog bone. It looked exactly like a dog bone, and like. We talked about this at length. I beat it to death over the series, but this is where we see that this is where we see it in practice. There's no red gleaming eyes from Voldemort like the book describes. It's like that is something that and then what's crazy about it too. If you guys remember in Sorcerer's Stone, he had red gleaming eyes in Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. Like I don't understand yeah. why we went away from that. It's described in the book and like it's not like it was just described once where you could overlook it. I mentioned last week at least six or seven different places where it mentioned Voldemort's red eyes. I don't. You can't miss that. That's how I know they didn't read it. There's no way they read it. Like, they, like <laughs> there's no way, dude. There's can't be. Which like, makes sense, by the way, too, because it was a different director for this movie than it was Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. So that makes perfect sense. I, I'm with you. And then to your point that you constantly brought up, and I'll I'll just tackle it now because that's the next one I have, is Go that there it. was only seven Death Eaters. There, there was Wormtail was supposed to be like, like wailing in pain also and he was barely barely noticing his cut off hand remember that like remember like how it was mentioned like harry was rethinking back on it and how wormtail was like grabbing his hand wincing and howling in pain and whining where like in the movie like cut off his hand and he's just sitting there waiting chilling like it didn't hurt him like that's that's not realistic but to your point there was only like seven death eaters there where it specifically mentions he was outnumbered 30 to 1 like i counted them out on screen seven death eaters crazy and then um, two more things, and I'll send it back over to you. Lucius Malfoy was not that bold in the book. Remember, he like kind of, kind of like was like giving Voldemort some like back talk mm-hmm. a little bit. He was never like that in the book, man. He was all apologetic. He was all like, "Oh my lord, I'm 
so sorry. Like, if I had known there was whiffs and whereabouts, I would have been there. Like, just to, he yeah. just submits to him fully. Or in the book, they kind of like have like a back and forth. Like, well, why didn't you do this? Yeah. Well, I didn't know about this. Like, um, no. Like, Lucius Malfoy would never act like that. Um, like the, then Voldemort and the movie, they left this out. He doesn't give a recounting of his path to rebirth. Remember how he tells like how the whole thing went from where he killed, tried to kill Harry as a yeah. baby to where it, they just left out the whole recounting of the importance of how he is where he is today. How can he leave that out, <laughs> man? So important. Like, and then, uh, then last thing I have is it was supposed to be a gold beam connecting them. It even said the light was not red and it was not <laughs> green. It was straight gold. Where in the movie it looked like like our, when you talk about the Dragon Ball Z energy beams, like two different colors fighting each other. That's not what it was supposed to be. Those things connected, and it was supposed to be a gold beam. That's it. Not one red from Harry, one red from Voldemort, and let's see who's got the more strength. So that's the last one I have uh, for now until I, I turn it back over to you, dude. Yeah, man. I mean, first of all, just piggybacking off the Death Eaters thing, like I don't know why you can't get 30 extras to play Death Eaters. You know how many people would be raising their hands jumping to be in a harry potter movie like to say you were in the harry potter movie you don't have to pay them <laughs> like well you do you, you, no... you do as someone who was an extra in a couple productions you do have to pay them <laughs> like you... okay okay all right yeah i guess you do have to pay them my point being like you don't have to pay them a lot right to do that correct yeah to stand there like you will find people that want to do that mm-hmm. and it, i know as someone that's been in entertainment myself, I didn't work in the acting side, but I did work on the production side. I do look at the, I have looked at those budgets. <laughs> I know you can afford that. <laughs> so just throwing that out there for a feature film. Yeah. Um, going back a little bit before though, when, as far as like flesh, blood and bone, when they were doing the potion, like in the cauldron, in the book, it's described as like even turning white and like crusted like diamonds. Like, none of that ever happened. He just, like, pops out of there. And, like, you see, like, this naked, like, skinny, malnourished body thing. And then, like, a black robe, like, falls over. Like, it was so declimactic. Whereas, remember in the book, like, Harry's, like, sitting there, like, not terrified, but, like, just so in shock. Like, begging, like, praying to himself, like, don't let this happen. Like, it was so, like, declimactic. Um, then skip into kind of like where you left off for just a little bit there. Uh, as far as like Priori and Cantatum, like just describing kind of the way like it was saying it. Remember like as far as like when the wands were connected by that gold beam and like you said how they were levitating and stuff. Like it's like in Harry's hands, like it was supposed to be getting to the point like it felt like the wand was just going to shatter. And it kept, like, going back and forth, remember, how you were reading it last week, of, like, you know, it kept, like, shooting back to both sides, like, that whole Dragon Ball Z moment, like, and at the same time, they, like you said, they just left it red and green, like, the exact thing that they said it definitely was not is what they decided to make it, like, why, why, um, and then, of course, uh, you know, I did have this moment, and if you have anything in between there, uh, well, so, like, Bertha Joinkins, of course, was omitted, and then Frank was completely um, taken to the shot, omitted from this scene, like, just omitted, so, like, 
literally it's just James and Lily that random show up, randomly show up, and then Cedric like pops out of the wand. But that's the, something like they should have definitely done better because it didn't look like those ghosts came out of the wand at all. It looked like they just like appeared there next to him, and he was like, you know, take take my body back, will you? And then of course he goes back, and the next thing I have is just like you were, you know, you brought up this big point was I did think. Point one for the movie, I guess that puts them at point three now. So we're at, you know, for me, like 44 book three movie was <laughs> Amos Diggory did show really that emotional side of uh, losing his son, which really, I think, really did help the movie. But then, you know, they cancel that part out by with Harry, he's just like crying again. He's back! He's back! Okay, well, everything you just did, you just canceled out. So, with that, I'll shoot it back over to you, man. <laughs> to touch on the point that we both made, I actually opened the book here to read it out here so people can like, really understand about the colors of the beams. Mm-hmm. It said, <clears throat> Voldemort was ready. As Harry shouted, Expelliarmus, Voldemort cried, Avada Kedavra. A jet of green light issued from Voldemort's wand just as a jet of red light blasts from Harry's they met in midair, and suddenly Harry's wand was vibrating as though an electric charge were surging through it. His hand seized up around it. He couldn't have released it if he wanted to. And a narrow beam of light connected the two wands, neither red nor green, but a bright, deep gold. Literally in the book, guys. <laughs> why? Read, read the why, book. Why, like, why? Read the book one time. That's all. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, one time. Just read it one time. <laughs> Please, uh, the next please. thing I have, yes, to your point, this is my number six. The number six thing that I liked personally about the movie is Amos Diggory's reaction uh, about like how it really made you feel the raw, deep emotion and the anguish of a father losing his son at such a young age. It was really sad. It gave me goosebumps. I really enjoyed how they did it in the movie. I'll give them their props for that. That guy is a phenomenal actor. I don't know who he is, but his little moment really sold it for me man i really felt that he really lost his son did a great job Mm -hmm. uh next thing i have is uh this is a quote from in the movie this is directly from harry's mouth in the movie to professor moody i don't think i said anything about a graveyard professor but on page 673 (laughs) in the book what happened harry the man asked at last as harry has he lifted harry up to the stone steps Clunk, clunk, clunk. It was Mad-Eye Moody. Harry responded. The cup was a port key, said Harry as they crossed the entrance hall. Took me and Cedric to a graveyard. And Voldemort was there. Lord Voldemort. So he did mention there was a graveyard. <laughs> actually. It literally says it on page 673 if you want to check the yeah, facts there, yeah. people. So, um, And then, like in the movie, again, we mentioned a billion times, but just, just re-harping... Dumbledore's sitting there shouting at everyone, just shouting instructions. Like, that's not what he does. It's not who he is. It's a terrible representation of character. Get it together. <laughs> uh, then, the, the, I'll, I'll finish. I've only got four more left for the thing, so I'm just going to finish mine out, and I'll let you finish yours Go out. For it. Yeah. Uh, the real that's Moody perfect. was unconscious in the book, not just chilling, talking back and forth, like, like, like it's all good. Like, you know what I mean? In, in the, the actual Moody, I was in the bottom of the trunk, he was like basically naked and like passed out. Dumbledore had to go down, make sure that he was okay. He's like, ah, 
He seems to be alright. Pass down the cloak here so I can keep him warm. Where, like, Dumbledore calls on them, Alistair, y'all good down there? Yeah, Dumbledore, I'm good, man. Take care of business up there. Like, like what's going on? Like, he does, he's not awake and, and sitting there, like, acting like he's fine at the bottom of that trunk. That was so absurd. And then, um, Dumbledore didn't tell them to get the guards to Azkaban. Dumbledore called for Fudge to question him in the book. Fudge then had the Dementors perform the Dementors' kiss on Barty Crouch Jr. We didn't hear or see anything about that in the movie. At all. We don't know it. We, we literally, we leave this movie not knowing what happened to Barty Crouch Jr. We have no, <laughs> have no we have idea. no idea. They just put that, uh, that alone, you can't just, you can't just leave it no conclusion. That's unbelievable. And then, of course, there was no argument between Fudge and Dumbledore that sets the precedent for what's about to happen in the next book. Like, they didn't even have a conversation about it. Where in the book, they're like arguing back and forth. Like, you need to do this. No, I don't need to do this. You're listening to liars. It's all, it's all lies. Like, none of that's in there. Um, no serious they're listening to Harry tell Dumbledore what happened in the graveyard. No hospital wing. No argument with the minister. Like, literally, none of those things happened. All those are all gone. Like, remember Sirius was sitting there with Dumbledore in the office, like, grabbing his shoulder, listening to the reaccounting of Harry's events in the book. And then in the movie, just left it all out. Nothing. And no hospital wing. The hospital wing is important because he took the sleeping potion to try to wear it off. And like, and like they catch Rita Skeeter there is really what's the big thing that happens after that. There's no argument with the minister. They just leave it all out. And then <laughs> continuing on <laughs> with that, the, la- the last difference I have, that's a specific difference like, that I leave this off on. No Hogwarts Express back home with Rita Skeeter as like being caught as an animagus. She was an illegal animagus. You have to you have to mention that. Like she was caught. Hermione caught her. He, she was a big key role into why Fudge doesn't believe Harry. Like Harry, like Fudge was reading he Rita Skeeter. That's why he doesn't believe her or believe him because he believes her and the stuff that she was writing about him. It's that's the last one I have in terms of the differences between the book and the film. There's another couple like quick things I'll add to it afterwards, but I'll let you finish your end up and then we'll we'll go from there. I was just gonna say real quick, as far as the Animagus, it makes sense because the same director that did Azkaban, he he didn't know anything about the Animaguses being having to be registered either. So just throwing that out there. Um, uh, yeah, I mean you hit all the major ones. Just a, a few extra things here is uh, as far as when we're going to, of course. Uh, as far as like the money I was going to mention like as far as the winnings so of course like Fudge never drops off like Harry's winnings he never gives the winnings to Cedric a big part you know as like Dumbledore and the whole like last feast like in the book it was really more about Cedric is what it was about like giving respect to Cedric in the film like it's just more about Dumbledore ranting about how crappy the ministry is and he's like the ministry doesn't want to tell you this this is bull crap blah, 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 blah. like that wasn't even really what the focus was on it was more like warning people about the situation but also paying respect to cedric and they just cut cedric's ass out like they didn't even care dude like whatever he's gone now Oh, well, good luck in Twilight, Robert Patterson. We gave it a good run. <laughs> That's, like, literally what they did to him. And then uh, uh, just a couple other things, you know, like, 
Yeah, if there's no discussion at all of Fred and George's joke shop at all, or the goblins about how they did that whole thing with uh with Ludvok Bagman because they just omitted Ludvok Bagman pretty much. Like he has that one tiny scene, so there the good lord knows there's no goblins in it. <laughs> like there's no point in even talking about them. That's just a waste of time. Um but yeah, and and that's just like that's really what I have there. I mean, I, I, I get it. Like, it, there is a little bit of a difference, too, as far as, like, Cedric's um, mom and dad. You know, they were a little bit more um, sympathetic to the situation of Cedric's death. I didn't have a problem with that because I really liked the way, like you were saying, like, Amos Diggory um, in the film, like, really portrayed that. But it's just, like it's these so i'm sure there probably are more but like these were the major ones for me like the ones we just mentioned like where like Tyrion lannister man this cannot be forgiven <laughs> it just can't man um so yeah i'll turn it back over to you like how would you rank this film before like, we... how would you rank yeah uh, i want to do the rankings in just a second i just want to touch on like some big overall viewpoints of like things that were just left out. We've already went over them in detail. Now let me just leave everybody with quick, this wasn't there, this wasn't there. So there was no Ludo Bagman, no Winky, no Hogsmeade, no Sirius except for that quick second in the fire, no blast-ended Scroots, no upside-down mist in the, in the maze, the roots grab Cedric, not spiders, apparently. There's no Sphinx, no Divination Dream, and Rita Skeeter was basically a non-factor. Like, these are some big things that change how the story goes. Like, so yes, that's those are the last things. But if we want to do our rankings uh, of the movie and the book, see for me, I like the book a lot. I did like the book a lot. So what we're what we'll do now is I'll give my ranking for the movie first, and then you'll give your ranking for the movie. I'll give my ranking for the book. You give your ranking for the book. This is a scale of one to ten. I'm just going to come out here and say it, man. I'm ranking the movie from a scale of 1 to 10 out of 4. A 4 for year 4 that Harry was in Hogwarts. We're giving it the good old symbolism of 4, baby. You're get, the movie gets 4 out of 10 in my book. Uh, what do you give it? So would you rank that as like passing or is that no. like... And what, like, at what point is forty percent passing? Forty yeah, percent no, doesn't pass. That. Yeah, no, it's absolute garbage. It's it. hot garbage. It deserves to be taken out to the dump. Uh, no, absolutely not. So yeah, that's my that's bad. my ranking for the movie is a four out of ten. What is yours? Thank you for the addition. Our fans do love Harry Potter. <laughs> this cannot be forgiven. I, I'm i going to give it a four, and that's being generous for the film. It's being generous. It's it's The problem is, and I hate ranking things that low, and don't get me wrong, I love Emma Watson. I think she's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> you know, anything with Emma Watson in it, even Little Women, you can find me there. I will be watching it. But it, no, this cannot be forgiven. This cannot be forgiven at all. This is, this is absolute blasphemy against the Harry Potter franchise. It is a mockery of it. There is no reason you should be leaving out major, major, major plot holes 
like literally just missing plot chunks. Like I feel like they just took out like a chunk of 300 pages, tore it out of the book and said, Woo! Toss some salt over your right shoulder. Spilling the salt is some bad luck. <laughs> like it was just bad, man. I'm going to be generous. I almost gave it a three, but because of the fourth years, you know, I'll give it a four. I'll a four. That's it. Yeah, so honestly, and, and yeah. I told you this too. I was like, they really should not be allowed to call this film Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. They shouldn't be allowed to say they, that, that. That should be copyright because that's not the that's not the the story we read was not the book that we saw or not the film that we saw. So, um, how would you rank them? Sorry, I keep interrupting you. How would you um? rank the films at this point though did you want to do that or are we going to do that way later i'm gonna do i'm myself i'm gonna do that later well you can do however you want to i always save my ones for the end for the end because i want i want to build up the suspense man i want to give them give them something to look forward to i gotcha but i I do want to know on a scale of one to ten where you rank the book harry potter and gala fire the book on a scale of one to ten yeah Man, and I, I really want to give it a 10. I'm getting it a 9. Uh, just because, I guess, like being super nitpicky on a few plot holes you brought up. And like I also, I'm biased towards the next book we read. But I, I'm giving it a 9, man. I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, you know, we'll keep your rankings a secret, but so far I've ranked this book. I mean, and my rankings could always change is the way I rate them, but I told you last episode I rank it, you know, uh, the number one book I've read so far, like going back through the series. I, it, It's one of those, like, everything I felt like um, made sense because they backed it up, at least all the major points. Um, and they J.K. Rowling really provided explanation throughout the whole thing on how these things happened um it has not only action and adventure but it was so creative with the mystery thrown in um you know and just some of, honestly like some of the most pivotal emotional scenes um that were thrown in there with for instance you know like barty crouch jr and that sort of thing it, it was it was phenomenal man it um honestly like me it's one of my favorite books of all time so it, it's i thought it was great how about you i think we I, i'm kind of along the same way <laughs> as you there for me i'll give it a 9.5 we have a 9.5 out of 10 a lot for what you said there but i can't give it a perfect 10 because we did come up with some decent questions in terms of plot holes like that just weren't answered for example i know you guys probably listened last week but like the marauders map how that came back into harry's possession the fact that james potter the echo of him just happened to know the triwizard cup was a port key you know things like that like the fact that barty crouch jr's mom like an azkaban was able to continue taking polyjuice potion like she would just be able to have it readily available like they just give it to her because that just just, there's a couple things man there's just a few things in there where if that was tied up it would be as close to perfect as possible but 10 is perfect and there's nothing in this world that's perfect but this is a really great book so i am going to rank it 9.5 out of 10 for the novel ranking it uh four out of ten for the film and looking forward to going uh past this first beast of the big books we'll say and and jumping into order next week yeah man and uh you know, it really worked out perfect because we did your favorite book and now we're about to dive into mine. 
and you know that's a ride on its own so it's uh you know we're still on the up and up man uh you know keep those uh keep keep braced and locked in because now we just turned it from fourth gear into fifth gear we're still going at now we're about to go from 90 to 100 um and we know these guys we get it guys these are long episodes but man it like that's the thing is is we have to bring you this content otherwise we wouldn't do this justice and you know we're never about not doing things justice here at the table at the ridiculous crew man this is what you especially know, harry potter man. Our name off of yeah there's like, no if way you, if you're not. gonna do anything like you, if you're gonna skimp on anything content wise harry potter cannot be the thing that you skimp on too many people love it there's like it just got such a heavy fan base that if we don't give it the justice it deserves it's you know we're not doing ourselves any favors so no harry potter yeah. is the one where if it's going to take six months to get through we're taking all six months to get through it man like so yeah keep, man. yeah keep keep on paying attention guys it's it's really great content in detail and maybe look at things from a different perspective than maybe you remember it hopefully it gets you energized and motivated to go back and read the series again yourself and we always love any sort of interaction with the fans. So if you guys pick up on stuff that maybe Chase and I overlook when we're doing our 24 hours straight of just staring at the book and, you know, sometimes our brain gets fried. If you guys pick up anything else or disagree with us in any way, we want to hear the feedback. We love the comments. We love the reviews. Uh, we love the follows, the subscribes, all of that good stuff, man. But outside of yeah, that, man. dude, uh, I think we're going to be leaving Goblet in the dust here and heading on to the order. What do you think? yeah man it's uh this is my favorite book coming up so i'm i'm stoked for it once again guys you know follow us on instagram we got official ridiculous patronus there or you can uh follow us on our fan page on chase and josh factor fantasy um you know our brow 129 instagram jay nelly on instagram um and leave us a review and and comment or you know hit cast a spell on that like button on youtube post a comment on there man it uh definitely means a lot to us here so um with that i'm gonna send it over to jay nelly any final comments man no final comments just uh it got the bittersweet feeling of moving past the epic climax and my favorite one of my favorite fantasy novels of all time in harry potter and goblet of fire looking forward to the next challenge the order the phoenix gives us but until that day comes next week, folks, this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, Signing off. off.